Oh, life. perfect. Okay. Yeah. This is the Michael and it is back tonight. We're live. It's Tuesday. We're going to do another Tuesday episode. Yeah, that's what we do. We do this. This is the second time this week. And before we're going to introduce a very special guest you might have seen it on Instagram live already, we're going to introduce you the video podcast audio sponsors, sponsors of this show tonight. They are presenting you this show. Eat local pizza. Seven six seven zero 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 zero. You call now. Place your order and get that pizza. Where's that pizza oven at? Derek said he's gonna send Ooh. us one. No, Derek said he has one. Did you see that comment? I did see that comment. Did you get back to him? Did you no. follow up on that? No, I didn't. Okay. Was I supposed to? Yeah, you should tell him. Yes, send it. Okay, yeah. Derek, send it. <laughs> We got here, out of the oven, it's just popping out. Which one is this? This must be the one and only pierogi pizza, right? Yeah. Yeah, look at that. You can dip das it too. Food. That is super good. It comes also with dips and sour cream. Two of them. That's one of the 12 of the best of the best eat local pizza. The pierogi pizza, it's a staple. It's the one and only on those cold nights or whenever you need something. <laughs> it's everything combined in everything. Market sauce base, local pierogies, local bacon, extra old gouda, caramelized onion, mozzarella, plus two sour cream dips. You can put on more if you want to. Eat local pizza. 801 Red River Road. Also, this episode of the podcast brought to you by One Time, One Time Brew. We're going to crack this strawberry yum yum open tonight. This is a limited release all the time. And we have a little bit left, so we are very lucky. But it's also available in the tap room. Right now, you can go. It's Tuesday night, but there it is. This, this is how the can looks. Mmm, and this is how the strawberry looks. And you can only imagine how it looks inside that can. Yes! Ooh! Also, we got the one-time brew gift cards available now for your very special beer lover. Not just beer lover, but like over-the-top beer lover. Like the one and only craft beer lover in your family. That's just probably everybody. Soon do we drop chocolate lot. I cannot read that. Chocolate hacks. I always think it's like it's like French. <laughs> Chocolates. Yeah, I don't I I have a really hard time with that. That fun fact it is not vegan because it contains lactose. Yeah. That is okay, but it's a good side note from my producer. He looks out for those kind of stuffs because he really cares. He is a good guy. Alice for Lucas? No, hang on. Alice for lasers? <laughs> Get it? I worked on that line all day. And stack up your merch at One Time Brew. Do it now. Also, this episode of the podcast brought to you by Afloat, your one and only three float tank center in Thunder Bay. Go to space today. Disconnect, release stress and just find yourself take that time for you taking away stress and pain breathe in breathe out relax time evaporates in you if you're in those parts there's two sessions 90 minutes or 60 minutes you float on salt water it's just you can have the light on you can turn it off you can close the lid you leave the lid open you leave the other light on whatever you want to do heavily meditated Float Wellness. Book now online on Instagram. There's the link. And again, $39 monthly float membership. No contract, no minimum commitment. Missed months, roll over and never expire. And starting December the 26th, new rates coming on the 26th, going up to 49 They have not raised the price in six years. 
and you can secure your membership right now till the December the 26th of Float Wellness. Also, they have a beautiful store for you for get some caffeinate wake water or Boreal Botanical. I bought recently the magnesium they have. It's a seven total complete magnesium package. I have it upstairs. I bring it downstairs for the next podcast. You can check it out. It's amazing. You sleep tight. Oof. A float wellness. Also, this episode of the podcast brought to you by JJ Tysoski. www.jtysoski.com. Follow him now on social media, Instagram, and Facebook. He is your mortgage agent, mortgage connection, culture, collaboration, community. He makes your dreams come true. He works for you. When you call him, he already knows you're calling. That's how good he is. Outstanding reviews, and he dedicates everything he does for your dream home ownership. Yes, Jay Tysoski, you can call him right now. That's 620-7922. Call him or send him an email at www.jaytysoski.com and his email is j at mortgageconnection.ca. Also, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Raphael's Tailoring. He is back. No pin drop today. No, it's everything is fixed. We are good. High-end tailoring and a retail store. Everything is there. Appointments needed for fitting. And he is open for you Tuesday to Friday, 9.30 till 4.30. Saturday on 9 to 4. And he's right on 905 Tankson Street. Yes, he is. Unit 3. You find him there. Follow him on social media on Facebook and on Instagram. And it is so, this saying, I really like it. For those cut from a different class. Fine tailoring for men and women and everybody else. Everybody's welcome. They have a beautiful team. They work for you, your wedding dress, your Christmas dress, your Christmas pants, your Christmas suit, Christmas party, whatever it is. You call him now, 476-0669. You get it all alternated, no alterations. Ham your pants. Whatever you need, you get it. Raphael Staling. And by the way, he is the best dressed man. He is. Yeah. You you know him? Yeah. He made me a custom face mask. Beautiful oh. material. Oh. Pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have not heard about that. Very kind. Yeah. I've heard about he made he made somebody uh, custom stitching inside uh, something very special for a wedding. Okay. And he okay. hands like embroidery. He does that too by hand. It's impressive. And he like, because then you have to think like the opposite way. It's crazy. The Michaelated episode. I can take the phone back if you like. Because we're going to put this on you. The Michaelated episode 188. Tonight we got the one and only King Graydon with us here in the studio. Please give it up. the first time you got introduced like this yeah thank you wow wow this is this this lower to look where do i yeah you know they do this like in in the stadiums in hamburg you might know okay they did this like this right and then the the the, 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 the first the guest team comes on and everybody's like Whoa! and then everybody has the same last name and it's like it's a really bad name so <laughs> no. No. I don't want to say it, right? Okay. But it's just game as sport, but it's like, it's not appropriate. And then when the real team, the home team comes in, everybody's just like, if you would come in, they would, the announcer would be, it's Kale. And then the whole stadium would say, Graydon. And there's like 80,000 <laughs> people screaming your name. Wow. 
That's, that's impressive. I feel like 10 year old me, like watching wrestling would like, you know, mm. we all have that vision of being the wrestling intro running into the stadium. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Should people you running get into your the custom studio. music, custom music. Yeah. Like yeah. an at bat. Yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's a heck of an intro. Yeah. You can join us now on YouTube if you like. Lucas is over here. We got Kale here. And join us there if you like. We're going to go and produce this beautiful episode and dive into a lot of great stuff tonight. Yeah, that's it. I'm going to do that. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's hard to do both. I want to just like, you know, I want to focus on you now. Yeah, I was like, where to, where to point it? Where do I put my feet? You know, mm. where, do I, where do I put the camera? Yeah, you did great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to download this and then I'm going to publish this and I say, this is all by, done by Kale. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's going to be fantastically done. So well, yeah, you just you, happy to be here. Yeah. It's an honor. Thank, well, an honor. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very cool. Very cool. I was very really happy with the opportunity to come in and mm -hmm. talk about what we'll, we'll be talking about. What should I we know. talk about? It's, it's, it's like, it's one of the most interesting things, I think food and beverage eating i'm using very easy words but yeah it's just like well everyone can relate it's not consuming but it's like pleasure it's, yes it's like there's so many possibilities yes it's endless variety is the spice of life you got f flavors everywhere right mm -hmm. yeah you know appeals to everyone everybody likes to eat or drink or something maybe not drink alcohol but yeah food appeals to everyone yes different and then the food becomes such a big tool with beverages. Even like you, you nowadays on every good menu you have non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's it's included now. Well, yeah, I think most I th of the times. I think so. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. um, the assumption in the in the service industry and in the restaurant industry is always not. You know, we even got away from years ago at a table saying what what drinks going to get you to start, or maybe assuming people are are going to get alcohol. Um, oh, you know, okay. I'm, I've made a living and a craft and studying and learning about spirits and wine and beer mm -hmm. and selling it and uh, teaching about pairings and food and wine pairings. But, you know, not everyone drinks. So as a, as a sommelier or someone who runs a beverage program in a, in a restaurant, you know, you're responsible for not not just the booze, but, you know, mm -hmm. the coffee and yeah, the, the whole tea and everything. Some people do fresh, fresh squeezed juice. Some people do a lot of, uh, you know, like a lot of restaurants, like you said, some non-alcoholic cocktails. Mm -hmm. Something that's a little more exciting than a can of pop or yeah sparkling water right do you have a favorite non-alcoholic cocktail well you know what i um well we try to create some a craft like you know a lot of the current ones on bistro ones cocktail list or what i've done in the past have been a twist on one of the one of the drinks that we have you know using some of the components some syrups and some of the juices and to create a non-alcoholic version of it yeah. um do you want to know what mine is coffee shirley temple classic shirley temple yeah. that's all i wanted to say that there's yeah. nothing wrong with a good shirley temple <laughs> no it's classic <laughs> it is and i've had a lot of friends that were big kids and just continued to drink shirley temples just by adding but they added vodka to it so mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. uh, we got already a question in the live chat here oh wow jamie welcome back jamie wants to know what's your favorite food and beverage oh. pairing we diving right into right it. in maybe right into like, food and wine this is it and it's like we, we, we don't so we don't warm up here no <laughs> <laughs> right into it yeah. awesome well that's that's uh there's so many so many you know whether it's wine or if it's beer or spirits i saw even. a lot of duck on your profile 
lot of duck. Yeah. I love duck. Yeah. Um, duck is amazing. I guess I'll go with like, you know, my favorite wine to start. I started one. So I'll probably go with like a Pinot Noir mm-hmm. or a Nebbiolo, like the Barolo we were talking about. Oh, and so. then I'll just pair it. You know, I'll find a, a dish that I love to go with a style of wine. It's kind of funny. I, I have a lot of favorite food and wine pairings. I can... You know, pepperoni pizza and a nebbiolo is not is not too as, as simple as it gets. You know, you mm-hmm. can get something simple, or you can get really extravagant with your pairings. But I guess a lot of time is I will a lot of time start with what I'm drinking and then get the food, or ah, vice versa. Okay. A lot of people are like that. They'll ask me pairings, so but they'll, they'll they'll have a starting point of the beverage point, and then they'll want the food rather yeah. than saying I want this to eat now. What should I pair with it? So you will check out the the drink menu first. Like, what's the proper yeah, terminology? You know what like, or or if I'm you know, and, and, and with going for a certain wine, maybe I'll purchase that. I'll pick mm-hmm. the wine, and then I'll say, "Well, what should I do with this now that I've chosen the wine?" Yeah, it's always so nice to buy a bottle in a restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, I and I, I think I just feeling. I love everything too. So no matter what I'm eating, I can find something to go with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow, okay. Does it differ uh, between regions and or seasons? Your pairings? Yeah, I like what we what I drink or what people what I do for pairings. Just like in general. Yeah, I think when we change. You know the see the menu seasonally in the restaurant with most establishments you know i'll have wines on hand that are are you know that are approachable and that that pair well with with certain dishes you know I, i've brought on specific wines to to go with specific dishes already existed you know mm-hmm. um cocktails will change seasonally with you know the spirits and the flavors obviously i know a lot of places in town do a great job of seasonally changing their menu with the cocktails uh, but the wine has such different so many different variety and styles that you can really just um always find something at least when you have enough on the list like we do right you could find always something if the menus always change it and you could find something on your list to go with it and then wine is never the same too in a way because each year is different it's always evolving and it's a living it's thing like the summer the was very dry yeah. The summer was very wet. Yeah. It they, makes a difference. They call that vintage variation. Yeah. Where, you know, when you live in a warm, hot area, maybe say California, parts of California might, you know, see the same kind of temperature all mm. year to year, season to season, where, you know, Ontario might be very volatile and, you know, how dry it is, or yeah. maybe an early frost, you yeah. know. So certain regions, yeah, they have what they call vintage variation, where the wine is going to be different from year to year. And, mm. you know, people, well, I know this was a great year. 2016 was a great year. Yeah. So I get a lot of questions on that too. And, uh, and that one could be a little more, mm-hmm. you know, finer, you know, quite a fine palette for, you know, really identifying supreme wines on a certain, certain year. Yeah. You, know? you but, don't know about it before either. Well, right? it, that's a whole other study of because studying in, the history of each, each microclimate and each wines, how it affected year to year, you know, what was a good vintages. A lot of the times as a wine purchaser, you know, mostly the price is paying a big difference. You know, if it wasn't a very good, year and, and the grapes weren't growing that well in this region and mm. they didn't receive a very great yield of good fruit to make right. the wine and therefore the prices will go up on less wine made so that's something to monitor for instance in british columbia with fires raging years ago you know you'll see prices of wine mm-hmm. skyrocket for export because of you know things that are out of our hand when it comes to the climate or yeah weather that's a good point it's interesting you get excited when it's early november and there's a special day coming up at the lcbo the beaujolais day yeah are you excited about that yeah you know i, I would like to be but it's kind of <laughs> like it's a thing for certain uh mm-hmm. sommeliers or people in the industry get very excited about beaujolais nouveau and yeah because it's very uh unique styled historied release of this very fruity young wine mm-hmm. um it's all got a history like everything else um i do like uh 
that wine that I like Gamay, which is the grape in Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. I don't get too amped out about that Beaujolais Nouveau release. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting and it's fun and it expires really quick too, eh? Yeah, like this this specific wine only comes you know, the first, I think it's the second Thursday of November. Or the third Thursday. Yeah, that's a specific date. Third Thursday, November, it's released. Yeah. And it's meant to be drunk young and it's mm-hmm. fruity and it's a very different style of winemaking, uh, which we don't have to get into, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's particular. It's a niche kind of uh, his, um, wine. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we did it every year. I, w- I, w- I went with the F&B and we went and got the wine. And, yeah. and we picked up like four or six uh, different ones. Well, I feel like it, uh, the Nouveau's now will jump off the shelf because people do it's relate, wait for the release. Yeah. It's limited like anything, yeah. you know. Um, I, I've had it. I've had it. I just haven't in recent years jumped to the uh, to go get it upon the release. Mm. Do you think you could make a cocktail out of it? Out of Beaujolais? Yeah. Like make it like like a limited cocktail. See, some fr- sommelier friends would laugh because they would, some that don't like it say, yeah, you know, put some sugar in it and stir it up over ice. But... Why not? It's like, you know, it's like who tells, who makes the rules though, right? Who does make the rules? No, I don't. Yeah. I've put wine in a cocktail before. I don't okay. choose not to sometimes, but mm-hmm. sure. But sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's this wine, there's fine wine and there's stuff that I would, you know, never mix with. 100%. You know, with anything, but there's some stuff yeah, that like it's the just. 61 Bordeaux, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ratatouille, <laughs> the movie where the chef cracks open at 61. The 61. It's good here. 61. <laughs> You that, had it? That most? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I tried something from the 1950s, though, from Burgundy when I worked at a high-end restaurant. Okay. This uh, very exclusive Burgundian club in Ontario and in Canada and the United States uh, get together and they pretty much share some of the finest collections they have in, mm. in their cellars. And these are, the, you know, the richest of the rich in the country. And we all, they all gathered at Canoe, my former restaurant which is in mm. toronto downtown oh. and they all bring out their own you know collector you know old bottles of wine that they'll taste oh. and show off to each other it's very uh wow. it's gonna be very eye-rolling at some point but for a, a wine nut you know they're pulling out you know um burgundies from the 1950s and 60s That's and, crazy yeah so some really cool uh um, collections and properly stored too, I assume. Then, well, this is this is like uh, Kevin O'Leary and, and that company, and okay. so they have. I'm sure they have yeah. top line they sellers. Have, they have everything. So yeah, I got to try some cool old wines when I had some time in that restaurant. How did that feel? How did the wine taste? Yeah, or? like drinking something that's like older twice, than my as parents. Old as, twice as old as yeah. you are. I had a 52, 52 New East St. George, which is like, old. I, t- I text my parents, I just tried a wine older than you. How did it taste? Not good? No? Well, uh, was it still stable? You know, that's when we, we, people ask me if you try really old wine and it kind of flaunts itself between, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's not off, but it is so, un, uh-huh. the fruit flavors are so gone that it's, it's, it's you know. It's different. More like a very valued leather shoe that's gone. Oh, yeah, you know. Okay. It's it's not off, but it's so old that it was. It's you know. It's it's funny. It's a, it's very. It was a you know a unique experience for someone that was just studying wine early age, and then suddenly had this opportunity at a great restaurant to work with, and all these expensive or very old wines mm-hmm. got to come in, and I got to you know that's crazy taste them or learn under under a, you know someone that was more advanced than myself. So mm-hmm. that was a very cool opportunity with uh, you know all the the big wines that would come into that restaurant yeah so yeah, these plates looked amazing by the way yeah and that's um you know i was very lucky to get an opportunity with this restaurant group 
Um, they, when I was there, which was 2016, 2016, they were top 10 in Canada. They ranked, wow. they ranked eighth and very uniquely Canadian. Everything is sourced, mm. you know, with local and, and with Canadian themes and Ooh. from tasting menus to a la carte. Look at that fish. Um, yeah. And no, I was, the other one. you know, like, and just to see some, out, of, some of the talent cooking in that kitchen, it was very, really, really a great experience to work among some really That's great like talent in the country. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, my first day I was at the host stand working and this, you know, two elderly guys you know, came to the table to get their reservation and the host, oh yes, Mr. Chrétien, we'll get you sat right away. I was like, pardon? <laughs> oh, it's Jean Chrétien sitting down for dinner, for lunch on my yeah. first day. So some high, some, you know, that kind of the crowd was quite ramped with a lot of big names and yeah. important people. So that was really nerve wracking, but also fun to, to work in, in that environment. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You must really enjoy that, right? I think it's like one of the hardest jobs, you know, service industry. Yeah. And then plus, it, you you might see that all different, and that's okay. But it's like it can be, but it can also be the most beautiful job. I think it's, everyone in the service industry, the restaurant, everyone should work at least mm -hmm. three months in a restaurant. <laughs> yes, you know whether you're in the kitchen peeling garlic or if you're yeah. serving. Mm -hmm. You go out to the most uncooperative people. Yeah. yeah, you tell them uh, it's going to be ten more minutes. I'm sorry, and then after that it'll be you know five more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out of your fish that you requested, but no, yeah. no, we're pretty, we're pretty good. But I've been in situations mm -hmm. where, yeah, you've had some, I've had some irate guests, but yeah, you know what I did? Makes once? for good stories. I did. I was, uh, I was at Bites. Sorry, Bianca. And you know, I told her all about it afterwards. I made her. I had a out of town guest, and she had specifically asked for a specific table, table forty six, mm -hmm. right? I still remember this and. <laughs> I missed the reservation. I I just looked at the board. I didn't see it. A regular came in and I gave him the table. And then she came in and it was too late. I fucked up. And then, you, you know, about it. we I tried everything, but you know, it, it was my honest mistake and we we tried to make it up for her as best as we could, but we make mistakes. We are humans. I know, you know. And I didn't mean to, but it just happened. No. I wouldn't never do anything like that on purpose, but I just fucked up. Yeah. Quite an easy. So it does. And you know what? Um, in the industry sometimes and you know, not to downplay any restaurant, depending on what restaurant you some people are, you know, have high expectations for the night, you know. The, sure. You have to understand when you're you know, they book this well ahead. They plan to spend a lot of money on on certain foods and wines. You know, you want to make sure everything is tip top from start to finish, and you feel the guilt when you you know something goes awry with, or something wrong with the the yeah. food, or you know, a, an honest mistake we all make on yeah. something as simple as seating someone, right? I know. So, wow. That's how happened. was uh, how was your you? So you have some history. You we were talking. You have some mm. time in the Advice? service industry yeah. and and dealing with spirits and, mm. and ordering. Yeah, yeah. I did. We did. We had. Very old menu, too big at the Valhalla, mm -hmm. you know, great place to work for, but then time was to move on. But it's just like the overall, uh, you might know this, but the, the, I felt like it was a little bit behind in time, still classic. I, I would want it, I would, would have wanted to push it on, but it's, it's sure. also branding, right? 
Yeah. Valhalla, you work with the gods. You don't work with like there's wines that have like profanity on it, and they say something bad. You can't serve that, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, a bottle of the fuck you juice. <laughs> you know, I've sourced it from so and so. Yeah. Screw off. Yeah. They have this one, the mule, <laughs> or they add, they even have an ass something, right? Don't they? Oh, I know that. Are you talking about a, a wine? Yeah. It's called like. Uh, Dumbass or uh, something. Yeah. yeah, I think it's German, isn't it? No, oh, it's, sure it it's is. Austrian. <laughs> it's Austrian. No, it's the Scheiße. That's the German one. Scheiße, Scheiße, Shiraz. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good. I love it. That came like quick. You're good. Yeah, sometimes. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Should we open something? Maybe we should try to throw ourselves off here a bit by you know having some of the fire water yeah let's, let's um, do it i didn't bring in wine because i thought you know i have you have to serve me dinner so we'd have to do pairings but i thought mm. maybe whiskey you guys yeah, you guys seem to have some sips yeah here and there them. yeah the girls and guys on the show so i thought well i bring something and thank you so much yeah what did you bring yeah pass it over to you sure yeah Again, I would like, you know, I know I do wine, but whiskey is like my number two. So I brought white writer's tears, mm. copper pot, wow, Irish whiskey. That's Irish. That's a really unique boutique kind of producer of whiskey. Yeah. So like, help me, and I'm going to ask a stupid question. Like no, in, don't, in don't. Scotland, it's scotch, right? Yeah. What's the difference between scotch and whiskey? So all whiskey. Whiskey is everything made from a, a grain. It's a grain spirit. So mm. that goes for scotch. Bourbon, Canadian whiskey, uh, Irish whiskey. It's all Scot. It's all whiskey. It's just there's Scotch whiskey. There's Irish. There's American bourbon, uh, American straight, American you know Kentucky straight. There's um, variations of it based on style of how it's made. Um, the main ingredient, which is the the grain, the, the cereal grains, what makes it up, which is called the grain bill. Uh, so you know from rye, barley, wheat, mm. corn. Um, those are all different ingredients and there's certain rules in different countries on how it's made and what's in it. So American whiskey, uh, we were talking about bourbon. We're going to try that. That's mostly made of corn. Yeah. Uh, and there's rules, legal rules to be called bourbon. It has to be made with 51% of corn in the bill yeah. in the grain bill. They call it the mixture for Irish whiskey and, and scotch. It's made with ba barley, malted barley. Ooh. And some scotch can be done with other, other grains. Um, but for, there's so many laws, like single malts are only hundred percent malted barley, but mm -hmm. blended scotch is from many different single malts and some other right. single copper still. So yeah. there's very, a lot of rules. Um, but the main difference, Irish is the oldest, oldest whiskey. It is. There's more, there's more written history on Irish whiskey being made in Ireland hundreds of years before Scotland started making whiskey. No way. Yeah. Very, very cool, rich history of how. You know, it started Ireland and then, you know, as history goes, you know, the, the, the ways it was made brought over to Scotland and how history develops and wars. Just a very cool history of how Scotland rise to more fame for, for uh, whiskey at different, different centuries and different points. But um, Irish whiskey is not as big as, as, as Scotch, you know, it doesn't get the same fame. And there's, there's a lot of history behind that and reasons. But this producer is really cool. They, they're starting to do more of a, like an ode to the the old original style, the 1800s when Irish whiskey was really popular and drank worldly. So they've done their production style and, and kind of even the name and everything kind of plays ode to the original Irish whiskey before it kind of lost its vigor. I love the color. 
Yeah. It's mm. a very nice color. Very nice bottle, too. I agree. Yeah. So. You want to? I probably, oh, you, you, you know, can, I let you do this. You want me? To, yeah. Open yeah. It. I let yeah. You. Sure. Let the professional take over. I know. <laughs> Lucas, I, feel, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'd be just like, I can't do this. And well, I thought, and then, you know, I thought, what are the chances is wine glasses? So I'll probably just bring a whiskey. I feel like whiskey is more studio friendly. It's yeah. Plus, of, Michael's probably still shaky from the cold plunge it, like an hour ago because oh. I definitely still am. You are still? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm really t- cold. You did 11 minutes, so. Yeah. Yeah. In three degree water. Yeah. We we went to a float and we they have an ice barrel. I talked to you about it earlier. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, they. I did it. I jumped into four degrees water for five minutes. Yeah, four or something. But it's just like, it's crazy. Round it up to five. Mm. I haven't done that in a long time. Do you want some? Yeah, you have a little yeah. a dram, they would say. Yeah, sorry. Oh, do you want me to put it on the other side? Sure. Nice. Perfect. Look at that. It's so smooth. <laughs> Whoop. That's, that's why he's a pro. Man, I can't do this. Practice nightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah there you go. Do this, pass it over. There you go. So, yeah, a little. Cheers. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cheers. Prost. And then you could keep it on the show and mm-hmm. have oh. a little nip here and there. Thank you. You're welcome. Very generous. Ooh, that is that's tasty. That's good. Yeah. Very clean. It's a lot like scotch. It's not like a very light, medium kind of scotch. Wow, it's smooth. Very light. Very, very sweet. Light. Yeah. And then it, it's, it has a good feeling in the belly. It's got that... Um, so they use unmalted barley and malted barley. It gives a bit of spiciness, a bit of sweetness. Malted and malted. Yeah, just like different manipulations of the grain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. And I find whiskey just as interesting as wine because there's so many ways to produce it and styles. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice. because it's a hard spirit, it's still very, it can be, you know, you could take it apart and taste it. And mm-hmm. What do you taste? What do I taste? Well, yeah. there is definitely like a nice dried fruit, and a little spice note on it that I, I, I get something like a pear, you know, like kind of a green fruit, like a, like dried pear and spice. Like, do you put it specifically on your tongue somewhere in a region? Or yeah. Do you just, yeah. Like, just roll it around and roll it around. all over the palate. But, um, you know, you get that, you know, you get that maltiness, that cereal and that sourdough maltiness from the, from the barley. But there's definitely a unique, I think, dried pear kind of note on it with a slight spice and mm-hmm. yeah there's the vanilla spice. the oaks in there the vanilla and yeah that's what i get the vanilla oh. and that's the bourbon barrels they use a lot of scotch and irish whiskey is aged in bourbon barrels how do we get those barrels they just buy them on the market yeah barrels are really interesting um when i did i learned a lot about cooperage and and barrel aging and choice of barrels when i did um, my stint as a winemaker i did the um winemaking Oregon I was uh, oh. yeah an intern intern winemaker in Oregon wow. and we first day we rolled these big Pinot Noir barrels around <laughs> empty barrels and the, and the master winemaker had us to rotate all these old empty barrels in the year before to move to the front because we're going to fill in this vintage and oh. they're about a hundred pounds empty and we were lifting them you know three high stacking them wow. that was in the first day it's not like the Stella commercial right <laughs> you remember that commercial no which one the Stellar Atois they have the they have the light beer in the in the barrels, oh! So, so it's they just throw them around. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, on a on a on a horse uh, carriage, and it's just like, whew, whew, because it's 
they just I don't know. But they no, they're pretty heavy. Thing. They're pretty, they're yeah, heavy. They like I, empty, they're a hundred pounds, and then and then full. So it's really neat with the um, the barrels are you know you would think American whiskey kind of is you know younger than Scotch and bourbon and, and Irish whiskey, but they do use their barrels. A lot of barrels are very expensive, brand new for wine making or oh, they are. Very expensive. Like, um, what are we talking about? Here? I think thousands of dollars for a brand new American oak or French oak barrel. What? Okay. And bourbon, specifically, one of the rules behind making bourbon, remember I was saying you need 51% of the grain is corn. Mm-hmm. One of their other uh, laws is you have to use a brand new charred white American oak barrel. Oh, so every, every, produc- every production, so every production of bourbon in one big pot or one big batch they do you know is being you going into a new oak barrel wow and then they can't use them again so the wineries across the world and mm. for some that want bourbon barrels but the mostly the scotch industry in the they will ship all those used barrels to canada or mm. to scotland or ireland to use right. for their aging because they don't they necessarily feel the need for brand new oak mm-hmm. gives off a lot of flavor mm. um and you use the the more and more you use an oak barrel, you use less and less flavors imparted into the spirit of the wine. So the Scottish and the Irish will want more of a barrel that's been used or charred a certain amount. You know, there's different levels of charring on the barrels too. Like inside, they burn it. Yeah. So the cooperage will have the barrel on top of these big flames. You could pull it up, and yeah, they'll uh, they'll flame, and they'll have different levels of charring on the on the brand new oak. You know, so you're burning those barrels Holy. and it's car- it's caramelizing all, all the sugars in the oak and in the wood. And then when you put, you know, wine or spirits on there, all that beautiful brown sugar flavors and Do they wash vanilla. it out after this? Like oh. after the fire or they just leave it like You that? know what? I'm not sure. I think I think it is just cooled and, you know, I don't think there, it's such an art. Obviously, there's not, there's going to be like pieces of no, coal no. in it, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, specifically bourbons, they'll have a very toast a big toast they call it the amount of level of toast and certain chardonnays and white wines you know specifically chardonnays will also ask for you know a very toasted barrel but a lot of used american barrels out there because they can only use one use so then they ship them off and they use them in canada and they use them in ireland scotland Mm -hmm. so sorry to cut you off a saint martin new oak barrel it's french Mm -hmm. 29 gallons medium long toast 600 bucks so that so uh, what did I say a thousand? Yeah, yeah. yeah so and then huge. who knows? You know the quality of the cooperage or you can. Yeah, how th- long this it's is literally the first yeah, one that yeah. came out. There's a sixty day no hassle return policy. <laughs> nice. Roll it on out of here. <laughs> so but the I have barrels. One more we're, question. Yeah. Can first. you like refire a barrel? Say you like you. That's a good question. I don't think you can. I don't know if you can. Like you know, you want to give it a little more. Oomph, do you know you want to yeah. fire it? I, I'm not too sure. Like you just get a brand new, or not a brand new, but like an yeah. old uh, so bourbon barrel. Toast. You've put it through its paces for one brew, and then you want to do another. Well, I've cl- I've cleaned barrels. I've I, I, we had a special little mechanism at the winery to clean them. Like uh, steel? Like so steel brushes. No, it's actually this giant. Um, it's it's it produces this giant amount of steam and pressure washes kind of the inside and oh, cool. and sanitizes them and these are the wine barrels we like the winery would have used from two years ago so they're empty they're reusing them mm. but remember only they'll only use them after so many uses and then they really lose you know they're just used for a, a way to hold wine really mm-hmm. like a wine barrel oak barrels will lose all their flavor and aroma after so many uses maybe three or four uses mm. and then they're what they're called neutral oak and they're just a vessel to hold 
the wine or, or the, or the bourbon. And there's other things that barrels do other than just impart flavor. There's, there's other things that, that happen with an oak aging. That's really interesting. What does scientific. oak taste like? Like where would you, how do you know this oak? So there's certain, anything like in wine, anything non fruit flavored, we usually come from a barrel. So anything they call earthy or, you know, obviously that cinnamon, vanilla, nutmeg, some people, you know, American oak will get coconut or, um, you know, variety of baking spices will be in there. Um, any kind of, you know, and some of those Italian wines will taste those rustic flavors like uh, leather mm. or cigar box. Yeah. Those kind of sexy flavors Man. that, uh, you know, associate with whiskey, mm -hmm. you get from an oak barrel. I think chocolate, you know, and some bigger Cabernets, I get that chocolate covered cherry notes. And that's a, I know, you know, barrel that's really, you know, they've used a lot of barrel. You know, I could, usually tell in a wine the degree of oak just by you know by just smelling it sometimes you could smell and sometimes you know when i was a lot better at tasting when we were first learning you know you'd have to identify any of an american from french oak on a wine yeah you know, blind right yeah you blind. wouldn't know what is what no you have no. to say is there oak yes no is there is it american or is it french yeah, it's this <laughs> is it new oak or is it a, is it just a hint is it in a used barrel Oof. and we'd have to get that and there was um there's certain yeah there's certain call signs and People that you know, I've I've studied with are a little bit better at certain things. Some people pick up earth better than other people pick up fruit flavors. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the oak was, you know, I remember an aha moment where I was able to taste it. Or for instance, you know, or this I I knew had American oak, and there's this cool like you know dill pickle is a very common flavor on some American oak on some really? uh, Spanish wine. Yes, yeah, some weird notes that you would really? expect. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it takes practice to, mm. to taste those things. And uh, I don't know if I could necessarily differentiate now American and French oak, but, you know, the best do. And it's definitely a thing. It's definitely, you know, there's producers that only want French oak. And, mm -hmm. you know, strangely, uh, Spanish producers of wine will use only American oak. They won't mm. use European counterparts. Are you able to tell, like, from the look of the wood, which is what? Or is Not it? really, no. I don't think I've been oh, that wow. close to yeah. any barrels. The barrels we used in Oregon... When I was an intern, was all French barrels, mm. but this one will be American bourbon barrels, as, as nice. I mentioned. Yeah, it's smooth. This is really good. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised. Scotch is very, very expensive. I feel like it sometimes overpriced. Yeah, it went up it a has lot. A it went up a lot mm -hmm. because it was like suddenly it was trendy, right? Yeah, is that what it is? I Definitely. So. And if you look at the timeline, the history of whiskeys, it was really interesting when single malts came out in the '80s and. Single malts were never a thing. Scotch was always blended scotch. Mm. You know, we look at the history of how this was made. It's all through uh, the 1800s and the 1900s. Always, you know, Valentine's and Chivas Regal and um, those Johnny Walker. Those are all blends. Blend, Bushmill? Blended Bushmill? Bushmills and Irish whiskey. Yeah. I mean, those, were like, those, those are the staples, right? Yeah, but the, the blended are the old-timey scotches that you it's associate crazy. your grandfather's. Well, then the single malts came out, <laughs> and they became all the rage. Wow. Of of these, you know, what what we drink, you guys drink now, and Glenfiddich and Glenlivet, those are all single malts became trendy. You like the Lafroig? I do like Lafroig. I do like a peaty scotch once in a while, a bit of smoke, mm. a little smoke in my glass. What about the Lagavulin? Lagavulin, I enjoy. We have both. The 16-year-old? We have both at the, at Bistro One. Mm. I carry both, yeah. Yeah, I, feel, I find the Lagavulin is very aggressive. Yeah, I feel like if I want to go for a peated scotch, I'll go for a Lagavulin. Mm. Yeah. What about the open? I very Ron. I get in very Ron Swanson when I, mm -hmm. you know, from Parks and Recreation. He's always drinking uh, Lagavulin. Scotch? 
Ron Swanson. Yeah, Ron Swanson from. Uh, he really likes meat. Bacon and bacon and Lagavulin is his life. So that's, that's good. Every time I, I sip some Lagavulin, I think of Ron Swanson. No eggs. Yeah, you know Ron Swanson. I hope a lot of listeners. Yeah. Oh, like I know him. Nick yeah. Offerman is a yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Mm. But uh, Lagavulin, I carry. Didn't I don't he have play t- in The Walking Dead too. He didn't play in The Walking Dead. No, no. didn't. No, he did. Didn't he? I don't believe so. And I'm a pretty big nerd so. on that oh. stuff. Oh, there it is. But that's only the 11 year old, right? Yes. Mm. I'm a big fan of the 16 year old. We have the 8 and the 16. Is that his face on there? Well, they did do no. an episode where <laughs> where he ended up <laughs> buying. I think actually Lagerblum did make it a, a limited edition. Yeah. Because he was in the he was in the show that it ended up he bought Lagerblum Distillery. <laughs> He bought it too? He, no, in the story, in the oh, show, in the story, it ended okay. with him buying the whole distillery. So then Lagavulin <laughs> created, a, I think, a Nick Offerman special uh, edition. That's amazing. Which is amazing. Is yeah. I'm sure the actor is really... Yeah, yeah it is him. Yeah, Offerman edition. There you go, yeah. Found it. We need to get that. And the le- 11 year isn't... How do, we, how do I get that? Yeah, we are, we are, we are old enough here. <laughs> Say, born in... Lucas, how old are you? Yeah. You're 32. I'm 33. 33. So then you're 33... You don't have to put your real birthday in there. Just pretend. Nope. I'm committing fraud then. Okay. Okay. It's now. Oh. Remember me on this device? Nah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There he is. That's a nice what bottle. A yeah. I would not, not be sure. I'd have to bring that one in. Is it available? I don't think. I think that's very sp- special edition. I think. Yeah, I don't know if you can get that at our uh, local you, LCBO. Mm. But it's worth a try. That would be something. I I would love to have that bottle. That'd be amazing. Mm. It's not cheap though. I'm back to scotch. It's it's, it's expensive. It's trendy. You're right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there was a push, and then they did. Uh, I feel like, you know, with the Valhalla, there was a lot of. Then it went up. When and then you yeah. saw like every year there was a. Suddenly the open the open the fourteen year old started mm-hmm. at like seventy five sixty five bucks, and when I left, it was a hundred twenty hundred forty. I think something it's like crazy. that. Yeah. So I, uh, talk and, and whiskeys are so I had a friend that was a general manager at Harbor Sixty Steakhouse in Toronto. Mm. Very high end, like you know, best of the best when it comes to price. Most expensive place in Toronto. And he was the bar manager and some of his whiskeys that they had in that place. I think there was a sixty year Macallan or a forty year Macallan. I don't know what it was. Oh um, wow. Okay. Like Nineteen hundred dollars for an ounce yeah oh wow yeah. like they can mark it because there's only one of these in canada right maybe two in hong kong yeah he I gave see. me a sip of a 30 year mechanic i can't remember what it was but it was like 91 dollars an ounce yeah he said that that's was like house that and i felt bad that that louis bottle right louis the 14th yeah the cognac yeah, yeah. you like that one i wish i had tried it mm. i sold it yeah. i sold it at canoe i think mm-hmm. we sold it like 250 dollars for a single i know yeah it's crazy yeah. and people kind of you know that with the wine you know why why do you put a price tag on you know why is this bottle of bordeaux 2500 dollars? and what but i kind of like to answer that question it's like you know kind of like livable art yeah i understand whiskey that. And, and scotch yeah and, you know especially the wine which can does have a shelf life mm-hmm you know, you're kind of thinking about, you know, the best of the best and where it's made in the world and so much of it made. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, you know, some stuff is a little ridiculous when it gets way overpriced, but rarity, like anything, anything that's rare as mm-hmm. a niche to it, it's going to yeah. have a price tag, right? And it's appreciated too. Yeah, exactly. So that Lagavulin Offerman edition, $120. Oh, 
Okay, uh, that's a very fair price, and or I just don't think you'd be yeah. able to find it. Yeah, check Toronto. Unavailable. Just check Toronto. That's where I could ask my friends in Toronto to yeah. if they check see a, select a store downtown Toronto. Yeah, let's let's try it out. Yeah, T O R. Toronto. Same day pickup. No, no, you don't have to. Just check all stores. I guess check all stores. There we go. Sorry, nothing. Yeah. No. So that must be like if somebody's selling that bottle, it's probably like be like five hundred bucks. Yeah. Or I'm more. Sh- I'm sure right? people are you know, it's in the States. It's a collector somewhere. item. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Scotch. I wonder if Jamie Smith has one. Jamie Smith has like this big collection of Scotch? Or was it whiskey? He has this big big drawer full of like all different whiskeys. Yeah. You have subscriptions? Like where you, you get they send you bottles every month? I don't. Um, no, I was lucky enough that Woodman Wines, who represents writers here, they sent me a bottle okay. in the mail a little while ago. Yeah. In a Slitherbound book. I was mentioning that, you mm-hmm. know, it was during lockdown. And I guess, you know, uh, with received a book. A, yeah, they gave me like a whole, like, you know, those gift boxes with a pen and a, a writer's book for writer's tears. And it was just so nice way to say hey you're reopening restaurants and bars you know think about us so yeah. a few sent some uh some product over it and i was mentioning they're going to send another bottle of whiskey called screwball whiskey it's oh, a peanut yeah, butter peanut that. butter whiskey that i'm going to bring into the restaurant whiskey. and make a peanut butter cup coffee i think oh yeah Ooh. oh yeah very cool so uh this is called screwball with a k it and is. it's all the rave in canada it just got released and like the lco bought up about 600 cases i think of it is it out it's out but it's you can't find it here right now i'm getting a case sent to the restaurant i think i'm gonna they're gonna treat me to a bottle because i'm gonna try right away oh, and usually i'm a little suspect you... of flavored whiskeys you know like but this is apparently really well done mm. non-allergenic because they extract the peanut essence without any of the proteins oh that's perfect so there's no it's kind of like that vodka and that black cow vodka mm-hmm. which is really neat idea tasting it in Toronto with black cow vodka and it's vodka made from milk. Yes. They separate the curds and the whey and they use a special protein to make spirit out of the whey. Ooh. Ironically, it's not, it doesn't have any lactose in it though. Yeah. Hmm. Which is kind of weird. It's a spirit from milk, but lactose free. Yeah. yeah. It's like lactose free milk. Yeah. Right. In a way. Just, we just drink Fruit Loops and vodka. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a summer <laughs> summer morning again. No, but they have lactose free milk. It's yeah. still milk. Yeah. But it's yeah. lactose free. I think yeah. lactose is just a specific protein in milk. I wish I knew more yes. about milk as much as I do about wine or whiskey. But yeah. It's lactate, <laughs> but lactate. it converts yeah. okay. to lactose. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's why we have Lucas here. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Wow. But yeah, that's that they offered me they're gonna bring send me a bottle and it's a kind of a cool new whiskey and yeah, peanut I just uh, whiskey. yeah peanut butter. Apparently, it's just like you're tasting a peanut butter cup. Like Which, you know, like, like I said, Reese's I'm pieces. Yeah, that's why I'm gonna make like a, I'm gonna use chocolate cure and try to make like a Reese's peanut butter coffee. Damn. And just sip it on ice. Yeah, sounds uh, fantastic. Yeah, it sounds kind of different. I'll try it out. Yeah, I'm excited. I gotta try it out when it, it comes out. Yeah, come check check it out at Bistro. Maybe I'll have yeah. it there, or I'll bring it by here. Mm. For now, it's just back to the classic. Classic Irish whiskey. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. Have you heard of uh, breweries using bourbon barrels to brew beer? Yeah. There is. Um, yeah. They've, uh, I think. 
God, some of the breweries big. and the wineries have used um, not as many fine fine wineries will use bourbon barrels, but the beers have done bourbon barrels, um, and I know that uh, they've used wine grapes and certain beers and co-ferments too. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head for bourbon barrels other than that innocent gun from way back that they used mm. to use bourbon barrels or oak barrels for their their uh, their ales yeah. Yeah. innocent gun but so I don't there's a brewery who... in toronto called godspeed and when you walk in it uh there's just one wall that's entirely made of like barrels and oh, cool. they they do some like they do this one cool porter that i've had and it was fantastic that's the one yeah yeah so this is the one uh they they've been doing like a bunch of like different ones too it tastes like black forest cake yeah that's, that's why cool. I, I thought you'd how be into you, it how can you define black forest cake in the beer well i think that's where the oak barrels really plays plays a role like i was it's mentioning amazing. with the tobacco and the leather sherry and, and the chocolate flavors and mm. you know and uh, i know there's you know, whiskeys that have used red wine barrels too because they give that little dried fruit note on, on the barrel too mm. Um, that looks cool. Godspeed. I've, I've haven't had them. I've had a lot of the craft brewers in, in Toronto when I was living there, but I haven't tried mm. their stuff. When did you move to town? Um, that's what I love about this podcast is kind of, I want to listen in some more, some more local, you know, people in certain focuses and entrepreneurs and business owners. I was born and raised in Thunder Bay oh. and then I went to school in Waterloo. Okay. And then I started pursuing my career in Toronto with with restaurants and then into finer dining and then into the sommelier focus before I came home in 2018 oh, wow. uh, for a year. And then I got accepted into the internship in Oregon to make wine. So I was with among some other international candidates to go into the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Wow. And uh, I was up, Lucas, if you find that. Yeah. Brooks, wi Brooks that. Winery, yeah. Brooks Winery in Oregon. Okay. Um, I had some pictures on my, my Instagram too, but that was really awesome just because I had to write out, you know, I was with somebody from New Zealand and Manhattan and Guadalajara, Mexico and Denver, Colorado and all, all different areas. Most, a lot of Americans, but Canadian, uh, Mexican and New Zealand, we're all part of this. Um, we're all sommeliers that were taking our first time to learn how to make wine as an, in, as an intern winemaker. So I did that for three months before returning back to Thunder Bay end of 2019 and accepted the position with Bistro One to do their beverage program and manage the restaurant. And then before you know it, it was March of 2020. And yeah. the doors are shut. Damn. The takeout bags are open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's that, crazy. And then I've just been uh, here since. Uh, and uh, like I love Thunder Bay, so I was gone for quite a while. And mm. to come back, you know, and this point of my career was kind of really nice to establish something here and start doing some events and getting more involved in the, in the in the uh yeah. in, in the in the beverage program in the food scene here and thunder bay's coming a long way since i left as it's a changed, 19 eh? year old to go to southern ontario yeah just for this industry alone obviously you've had some guests in here and from the food and, and beverage scene and it's it's awesome yeah i'm mm. really proud of what, where we're going it's a big big thing now yeah yeah it's, it's like in any direction though food was first food and beverage was like first yeah local and then it seems now it's even expanding further but, to yeah and tell our parents like you've been three or four breweries in the city you know like that would have never been a thing thought of right you know think of at least you know, i'm counting quickly but we yeah. have a couple new ones yeah but you know just a very thriving industry and, and fun to be a part of after going away 
to work in restaurants in a big city and then you know, come back to Thunder Bay and start and, uh, you know, be a part of the scene here. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You, you stayed yeah. now here too. You didn't, you didn't say you were going to go somewhere else. Yeah. For now I'm here. That's really <laughs> good. I like that. Yeah. I think, um, it's, um, having a fun time doing some events and being part of the scene in Thunder Bay and, you know, just educating and spreading knowledge on, you know, the stuff I, w I learned and it's fun. People are really enjoying coming into the restaurant for an experience, knowing about, you know, a different aspect on, on a different look at wine yeah. and about food and beverage pairings. And I've been, I've been to Bistro One a couple of times. And the last yeah. time I remember was for a Christmas party. It was uh, a little while ago, but you know, we with my wife, Lisa, she works at Sentia. And, okay. you know, the, the owners, they take him out for Christmas party and, you know, they pick yeah. up different restaurant each year. And Mr. One was amazing. I liked it. What, what year was that? Was that, uh, must have been two years ago. It was a little while ago, yeah. We closed last year. We were open for the summer and into the fall, then it locked down again. Mm -hmm. And it was, so we did, that must have been two years ago. Yeah. I think I was just, they, that was just new ownership then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it changed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm part know. of the new ownership management okay. since 2019. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's going good. We're busy. Mm -hmm. Everyone is this time of year, you know. Yeah. The surge of uh, post the, of the reopening obviously was busy. There was a small, you know, lull, and then now it's back to Christmas season. Oh, it is Christmas season. It is. We're already been hosting parties. So. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Busy yeah. busy schedule ahead. So. Yeah, you. this is Tuesday's your night off? Not usually, but I'm in on a Sunday. We're usually closed on Sundays and Mondays, mm. and uh, we've opened up for a private event on Sunday. So okay. I'm doing in the stretch Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, so I got a couple extra days off, which nice. worked perfect, perfect. Uh, to come on here. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Hey, you good for Wednesday?" No. Oh <laughs> shit. Yeah, I did a poor job of. <laughs> no, uh, it was like I didn't follow date. up. I didn't follow up. You know, I'm I'm bad sometimes. I admit it. It's it's a lot. You know what I want to do? I book everything in this book. Yep. But I want to do it all electronically. So I have it always with me. I want to start doing it all electronically. Get your Google Sheets out. Yeah, it's time to transfer it. Because then, you know, I can put it upstairs. Lisa knows because we have a fridge where you can see the calendar on it. Yeah. And then she knows when, it's, when it is. And then it's just everything's easy. Something's thrilling about pen to paper, though. I still, I still like to I write do. a list once in a while. I know. To, to do, do list. To do, do list. <laughs> yes, me too. How long is your to do list? Um, pretty long. Not that bad. Look, that's good. I think because I I put part of it in my phone. I only wrote half it down though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like stopped halfway through. Do you like voice memos? Like, do you do you do you? I, I'm big on the, my girlfriend. and I got me on the Google now. The OK Google. So we got the Google Home. Yeah. And I got a new Google Pixel Six. Mm. And all my staff are like, oh, he oh, loves talking. You to got his it. Phone. Yeah. Nice. Hey Google, can you uh, set a timer for ten minutes or yeah. put a reminder for this? And this and it won't work at first. And the staff will laugh at me. Just, it's trying really hard to put a voice memo in instead of just writing it down. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I love voice command. Yeah, like I think that's like the best possible thing ever, and I think that's like the future. Like there's no, I think the input. It is. You know. Yeah, it's incredible to pull up anything, you know, just sort of, you know, have your smart house. Eventually people are wiring up, you know, voice commands to their thermostat with, you know, yeah. the Google Nest. And I know it's pretty neat. I'm, I'm getting there. My girlfriend's very advanced on the tech side. And so I'm just kind of mm. dragging behind and following. And yeah. Yeah. Do they do that with wine too? Or am I just mistaken? Sometimes well, they, you know, they pull it into machines and the machines give it a score. Is that a thing? No. No. That'd be. 
next it's level. Terrible. It's back to us, just our, our us heathens <laughs> and our palates to determine what's good and what's not. Yeah, <laughs> not me, but they wouldn't. Well, they do like they do. Critics. They want to do video games where you can smell things, right? Because it immerses you more into the world of. That's cool. Yeah, I had a lot of just pieces of Tupperware with dried orange peel and oh. sand and cinnamon, and then I would just smell things. <laughs> and yeah. earth. <laughs> yeah, earth, dried earth. Um, but yeah, no, I did that. Da Daniel wants to know, what do you think of the app Vivino? Oh, Vivino, yeah, I'm on Vivino. Oh, what is that? I try to start a profile on there, and it's I scan all the bottles you drink, and you can write a rating. But I just kind of, it's a nice digital snapshot of what I've been drinking. Mm. So you can put your own seller, like you know what you have that you're holding in the description, and then. Um, a lot of maybe advanced wine writers will, will write something on there and then you can see reviews of wine. Mm. But I'll, I'll snap, you know, just snap the label and then it pulls it up and uh, it'll give a description of everything inputted from, you know, those that have the say on what, I guess, what it is. So um, I'll just use it kind of just to keep track. I can look back and see what I, what I drank and mm. talk about and. I try to post stuff on Instagram when I'm, what I'm drinking as well. Mm, you do. But uh, the Vivino, I should do more of it because it's nice to track on what I was having. I don't rate anything. I just, it's just nice to look at, oh, I had this grape then or I had that grape then. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, no, it's the Vivino app is great. I think more people should use it, but it is nice to keep track of what you're drinking, especially if you go to restaurants. That's something you can get yeah. at the LCBO. It's nice to, oh, I got to experience this or try that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you like a subscriber to that? Um, lcbo vintage book thing vintage book i do. do i yeah i get that i get that yeah. uh every once in a while um and I'll, I'll look through that i know i can uh, there's systems in place for the restaurants to you know set up with the vintages and mm. um i bring a lot of things in through an agencies too okay. so um there's yeah. some some rare stuff to the lcbo but if i can go through an, an agent that's you know right from the winery mm -hmm. or that's kind of offers some some variety of some grapes or some styles that may not be available at the vintage you know right. or at the lcbo this store yeah and uh i can get stuff in higher volume or mm -hmm. um, something that somebody just can't purchase on their next trip right right mm -hmm. yeah the jefferson you can't buy it's a it's a special order yeah i think i don't think i've i think you'd see that's gone now too one time they might put it in the, the yeah. lock and key at arthur street or but uh, yeah that's kind of the few vince ordered it and then Vince he, he sent it a bottle over. Yeah, Vince Marbella. Yeah, Vince for a bottle. Yeah, he he, he just sent it. I didn't ask him for a bottle. Oh, nice. He's just like he's a good man. Yeah, that's uh, Jefferson must be nice. Yeah, you want to try it? I'll try it. Yeah, All right. That was my weird way of saying it. Yeah, I'll let's it. do it. You you do you do it. I'm so yeah, amazed how you poor. Do. I'm just like, you got to make a video out of it. Oh, just so intimidated, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have other glasses. If you want to use new glasses, I'm, sure. Yeah, we said we were going to do that, right? We we're going to put a little mm -hmm. dram side by side. I won't pour too much because I know this is your valued. Mm. So. Yeah, you know who really liked that one? Al, Al from Bites. Oh, Al's, Al's yeah. a great guy. Good old Mr. Robello. Yeah, Al and Steve. And I, I would love to have a little bit more too. Of course, yeah. We're trying to dram up a new... Um, we did this fundraiser in the summer. Mm-hmm with the restaurants, with um, purchasing tickets and getting it went towards the hospital. And I'm mm. looking forward to told him hey, we have to go for a beer or a whiskey and talk about how to do that in, in, the, uh, in the future. Cheers. Cheers. So this is the Jefferson. This reserve. Is, yeah. Very rare Kentucky. I don't, I don't want to butcher this. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Very small batch. Very old. <laughs>
It's very good. Very tasty. Wow. It's, you smell like Ooh. the difference? Like Yeah, right away. Yeah. Just um very a lot, a lot more richer on the palate. Like I got that big brown sugar and caramely note that's a little bit more stronger than in the, the Irish whiskey. Um but yeah, different way of making you know, we're just talking about it's funny, new brand new barrels and then that you might have used those barrels, right, to make the Irish whiskey. It's crazy. So mine went down the wrong way. <laughs> it's attack of the fire water. Just uh, let me wave, wipe away the tears. <clears throat> wow. Well, that was that's nice. Appreciate it. If you want some more, please take it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a comparative. It's nice to go, like I said, I've done that with whiskeys and some virtual tastings, and I've done some um, just like wine tasting. It's nice to do comparative. To, yeah. One next to each other. Uh, what do you like better? Like the the like I find the Jefferson. Um, allow me, I'm very primitive, but uh, the Jefferson. You know, I smell a lot of flavor. I taste a lot of flavor. There's fine notes, but it's not as smooth. I find like this is very. This is light. The Jefferson is more aggressive. This is yeah. like my easy breaking down. You're right, though. I notice there's more an oak on the Jefferson, ah. and that is just for the reason I like it is. It is like more of like I said, I was getting some delicate flavors like pear and mm. light spice and uh, you know, it's almost more of a cereal kind of brioche on the on the Irish, but on the on the, the bourbon. Big on the brown sugar mm. and, and the caramel and the yeah. you know, um that's due to the you know, the grain bill being higher on the corn and the use of new barrels. That's new insane. toasty barrels that gives it that that big vanilla and caramel tone. You would think it's the opposite. Like old barrels get stronger and you think, right? Yeah, I would think. <laughs> well, yeah, and he, and it's actually like the, the the flavor is drawn out of these barrels by the the spirit of the wine yeah. in it. and after, you know, four or five four or five um uh uses it, it's almost neutral. Mm. Um, Doesn't it get like tainted by the red wine and then you could use it again? Yeah, so there is some like I said there is I drink a whiskey called Bearface. I posted it recently, and oh, yes, that one did. is uses three different barrels. So that one is very like very smooth when it comes to the oakiness. Mm. So that one's triple aged in barrels, seven years I guess. So it's done in it's American. Canadian. It's done in American bourbon barrels. That's such an interesting color. Yeah, I know it's, it's very like watermelon. Ruby. And it's done in French red wine barrels, and then it's finished in brand new Hungarian oak barrels. So you get the smoky boozy uh you know the bourbon uh, charred bourbon barrels and you get the red wine barrels for that red dried fruit and then you get the brand new oak barrels and and that's going to give you all that flavor too so it's a very smooth whiskey very similar to uh bourbon because it has that super oak and that super corn mm. sweet smoothness but have yeah you, have you ever seen a grizzly like in no. real life hiking somewhere in bc no no i haven't okay but i don't want to but mm. I've seen a black bear, but not a grizzly bear. Yeah. Grizzly yeah. bears are f crazy. They are like... They eat other bears. They are just unbelievable. Yeah, it's kind of a novelty glass with the uh, the, the claw marks in it, but mm -hmm. great marketing. I like it. Oh, you're picking up my Riesling grapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, first documented in Germany in 1435, Riesling uh -oh. is now Danke. grown in a number of countries. Yes. Yeah. This is my favorite grape. It is? Favorite wine. Oh, I was gonna wear a T-shirt that I wore from I got from this winery. It said, "If you don't like 
Riesling, you're an effing idiot. Mm-hmm. I thought that'd be too vulgar for the show. Isn't that like a thing with like sommeliers? Like a lot of them just like hate Riesling or it's like a certain for, I don't know if no, it's Riesling, but it's like a, what is it? Well, I find that sommeliers are people that, uh, you know, that study, we like kind of the weirder stuff. You, you get away from what the most, what the consumers usually like, mm-hmm. you know, so I really like light bodied reds and white wines. Mm-hmm. I find them complex. I find them good with food pairing and there's a lot more to them than just blackberry jam or, you know, just the red, red wine, you know, a lot of big red wines can be kind of linear. I find it just so, I like to try all different stuff and you find the average consumer grabbing the same bottle of Cabernet or mm-hmm. same bottle of Merlot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many other grapes and blends and styles. And I like Riesling because it's great food wine. Um, and I love acid, the acidity mm-hmm. that makes wine, makes the flavors pop and makes food flavors pop. So a high acid wine from like Rieslings or even red wines like Pinot Noir has a higher acid content really makes that, that, uh, snappiness or that crispness in your palate. It makes you want to eat more food and mm-hmm. salivate just like, you know, a lemon wedge in your mouth that, you know, you salivate and you want to have another yeah. sip. So I like acidity in wine and that's why I love Riesling. And uh, part of the reason I went to that winery is among in Oregon making a lot of the Pinot grapes, they make Riesling in that winery. And I really went there for the Riesling. So mm-hmm. I did that little picture of the grapes and just with the write up on them, just for that reason. Did you actually stomp on those grapes like they used to? So a little bit of mi- misconception on that. I didn't stomp on them to make them, but that's what they used to. They used to crush grapes by stomping them, mm-hmm. but that's I did true, do right? I think on my Instagram, we go on there, I have a video of me doing the pichage, which is the stomping of the grapes, but mostly it's meant for skin contact. So it's the whole process of doing that is so that you can get uh, more contact with the juice onto the skins. Uh So we would use like this big plunger in the mornings to plunge down the caps of the wine skins. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's what we're doing right now is a punch down. 6 a.m. every morning, and then 6 p.m. at night. And there's about uh, 100 of those vats. And the punch downs is so that the skins, again, think of like a a tea bag steeping. So you want more contact with the skins with the juice, and you get the flavors. So I was pressing it, Mm. and then for one of the grapes more delicately, it it was too volatile to use a big plungers for that grape. So barefooted, we go in and just lightly stomp the grapes. How did that feel? Twinkle toes. Weird. That was weird. How were you like very overtired? Discolored for like years? <laughs> Not too bad. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I just wonder. You know? This is this is I think there's this German tale about the person that always eats just blueberries and he was a king or something and they called him Bluetooth. Said <laughs> <laughs> <that> a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well, making this out. Well, Bluetooth also used to be a pirate, and that's what oh, Bluetooth, oh, okay. uh, like the technology Bluetooth, is named after. Come on, mm-hmm. the pirate Bluetooth. The yeah, pirate. yeah. Not, not the not even a line. that that audio mm. from a device. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, there was my stomping. That was fun. A lot of work, mm. but really got a good, uh, you know, understanding of. Uh, oh, it's a video there of uh, making wine and, and the grass, you know, everything that's involved in the, what goes from the berries. Everything the is on there, right? What's that? Like everything is on there. Like the grapes are still attached. Yeah. To so the... this was a f- um, whole cluster. So they put the whole grape in the cluster of the, of the stems and everything in, and it actually gives a bit of um, different flavors. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're drawing those phenols and those, all those, those green notes from, from the stems into the wine. So Beautiful. it's a different way of making um, wine. And, and there's most are destemmed, which is what we had a sorting line and 
it would go up this conveyor and it would shake off all the all the berries, the grapes from the stems and shoot mm. the stems out. And most most of the that's how they would come in, clipped from the vine. What a picture. And yeah, that was a good one. And then they go up the conveyor belt and they're distemmed. So that's us sorting hours and hours and hours and hours of sorting grapes. Mm. And you think that one handful of a bunch of grape is about a pound. Mm. We sorted eighteen tons one at one day. No way. Night and day, six of us taking breaks and just because the fruit's coming in from the vineyard and they can't stop that train once you know when the oh, winery says it's time to yeah, harvest it, it is time we're going to get another rainfall or it's going to yeah, the crops going to go to shit it. you got to yeah. pull it so the fruit's just sitting in queue waiting for us to sort it wow yeah so it was quite the work a lot a lot more different than shaking hands and kissing babies at the restaurant it was a lot of uh, a lot of hard work that's impressive i learned a lot yeah yeah you yeah. were hands on hands on feet on the farmer farmer <laughs> kale feet on yes skin yeah. on grape <laughs> Skins on skins, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it was fun. I was very lucky. Mm. We have grapes outside by the driveway. Mm. They come back every year, and you know it's like the most delicious treat in the fall. I don't, I don't make anything out of it. I just eat them. They're super sour first, but then after the first frost, it's just they get sweeter and sweeter, <laughs> and it's just so good. Those are good. It's funny, like table grapes, you know, from the restaurant. Mm. You think of them just. Not for me. Mm. Like a little snack on them, but just not. Yeah. It's different, the ones in the vines with the seeds in them, and mm -hmm. they're definitely richer and the skins yeah. are thicker. It's this, very different than table grapes that those, you know, have been manipulated for, yeah, for consumption. Yeah. 100%. But. Like my, mine, I like, the seed is bigger than the, 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 the flash. Yeah. Inside. Yeah, there's not much to it, right? There's it's a very seeds, different type of grape. And then it's a little bit of flash in the skin. That's it. And, and then, yeah. Then you spit it out, and we have a two-year-old. Yeah. So he, this year was the first time he ate the... And we always had to remind him, spit it out. And so he doesn't eat all the, all the, the seeds. seeds. Yeah. So he's like, what do you know what he did? He popped it in his mouth. <laughs> and then everything on the flower. But he still had the flavor. Yeah. He was still part of the team. Yeah, and we, and, you know, I watched the winemaker taste the grapes on the vine at different stages of the weeks and see where the you know just by tasting where the sugars are mm -hmm. and the phenolic ripeness which is the ripeness of the flavors and the skins you know what gives you all the fruit flavors and the flower so they would they would taste that just off the vine and almost mm -hmm. no okay this might, we need this much one more ripening week. yeah one more week one more week one more they check the weather yeah oh yeah what's uh what's the weather looking like yeah looking at the biodynamic calendar for mm -hmm. all those into the very crazy cosmic farming biodynamic farming Ooh. it's a whole thing it's a, it is stars and it's not the farmer's moot. market calendar. not it's the farmer's else. market yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that's the thing too it predicts the weather but the farmer's almanac farmer's yeah, almanac yeah, 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 yeah farmer's yeah, market mm -hmm. yeah yeah i don't have that one at home no no i need that let's go on google i guess so yeah. just voice command <laughs> that's right we can voice command mm. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that was my little stint in Oregon before coming back to Thunder Bay and yeah, it was a very fun. I, everyone should visit Oregon. I think that's my favorite state already. Okay. It's, it's very cool. Wow. Not taxes? Uh, taxes. I didn't pay. I was on, I was on a work visa. I don't know what the tax are like there. Mm. Taxes. They, that's what coffee. The, Texas that's what is hot, right? Texas. It's hot and scary. That's been my experience <laughs> with Texas. Texas, yeah. I've yeah, I think it. Oregon's complete opposite in every every way possible to, from Texas other than being American. Where is it? Can you look that up at the map? I'm, Oregon I'm, yeah, is on the, I'm drawing is on the coast. Um, yeah, it's on the west coast beside Washington State, just below Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah, very uh, cool uh, 
But we're in I the think valley, that's where, so that's where Kevin Haynes is, I think. Oregon? Yeah, I think so, isn't he? Or is he uh, Montana, maybe? That's hmm. heading a couple states over, but Oregon is beautiful. Yep. Yeah, he's right there. Eugene, Eugene Oregon. You didn't hang Eugene. out with him and worked out? No, I said, hey, hey. Th- Thunder Bay. Yeah. The running? Thunder Bay. No, I never. No? No, I don't know him. You hunt? I don't hunt, no. Okay. I Do you I run marathons every week? Or not every uh, week, every day? I think I did the Kids of Steel when I was 12. Yeah, that's the counts. marathon. That but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like the 100 yeah, small kids triathlon. We'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Validated. But no, I'm, I, I was in Oregon doing complete opposite of what he was doing in lifting weights, yeah. Okay. Lifting wine barrels, does that yeah. count? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's 100 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Minimum. I felt good. If not more. Wow. Yeah. So how do you, tell me from your perspective, how do you build a, a menu for beverage? Sure. So um, I've done a few now in Toronto and here. The wine list, obviously, you know, I told you it's going to be a big wine list. We wanted that for Bistro Wine. We wanted a, you know, it was known for years in the previous of having boutique wine and high-end wine and being a finer diner place, so fine, finer dining, excuse me. <clears throat> so... Um, I was brought on to bring in, uh, you know, I wanted to have, ex- you know, exclusive spirits and wine stuff like, you know, especially in the wine that you, like I mentioned, not available at the LCBO, something I can get in from a Vinter Direct or, you know, something that I found matches a lot of the, the dishes and, and the theme. I did want a theme mm-hmm. and I bring in, uh, I have a little introduction and, you know, it's, it's heavy on uh, Italian, French and uh, North American. Okay. Can you pull up that menu? Yeah, I don't know if the, the wines about the glass and the cocktails will be on Bistro One's list. Not not the full list, though. But it's it's funny. It's like, you know, when you're in this, you know, I'm sure a chef, other than the work of making the food, would probably want a huge, you know, would want a menu with a lot of different things to try and experiment. And it's a lot more work to source those ingredients and craft them and do them for the, you know, as a sommelier, just saying, oh, I just have a big wish list of this, 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 mm. this. And it's so much easier to just buy a bottle that's already crafted. So, you know, there's so much that I'd want on a list. So I do have quite a large wine list with covers a lot of, um, I, I try to organize it by grape varietals, varieties. Okay. So styles of wine, you know, you know Pinot Noir Nebbiolo on this page and Cabernet and Malbecs on this page. And um, We did learn in school for being a sommelier how to build a proper list and organize it and budget it accordingly, you know, and um, the wines by the glass program, I think, are you, what you need to be most interested in in what you want to put a lot of work into because that's a majority of what people are going to buy. You know, you get people buying bottles of wine, but the biggest percentage are people for one glass or two glasses. And if I can have really uh, diverse styles and, and types, I could do some pairings at the table that doesn't, you know, as much as I love selling an expensive, one expensive bottle, it's a lot more fun where I can say, you know, you and your wife are having, you know, two different styles of dishes, first and second course. You know, you're not going to maybe not arrive on the same type of wine that I think will, will satisfy for both. You might both like it, but if you want that experience, maybe I can do a couple classes of, of different things that I have. And having five reds and five whites and a couple of rosé and an orange wine, it, there's a lot of different mixtures I can do. And I, I've chosen those wines ahead of time for certain dishes when I built the menu. And then there's a lot that I thought, well, this can, you know, this can, I need this style on there. I just always need this style or this style because it'll, it, at some point, We'll have a dish that will meet, you know, mm. will match nicely with this or. Yeah. Because yeah. the chef sometimes just creates a special too, right? Yep. 
Yeah, and a lot of times, like I said, I've found I had a pretty diverse style of the buy the glass options, so that mm. I could find always something that will go with your food. Yeah. You know, it's it's you know it, it's it's a fun fun thing to do. It's, it it's subjective, but there's there's uh, there's meaning behind a lot of the things I pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And I always appreciate that very much. You know, when yeah. you, your profession, you you. You help people to get not just a great experience, but also to get flavors that you combine and you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I think I like the teaching aspect a lot of it. You know, I like mm -hmm. educating people on history of, you know, the scotch mm -hmm. and or, you know, why this wine tastes like this because they did it in a whole cluster and under this type of, you know, aged in this barrel for this long. Mm -hmm. So I think... Um, the opportunity to do tastings, whether at someone's house with different wines or pairing with food, it's just, it's a fun way to educate all the stuff I've worked and learned on to, you know, a market that not everyone knows ever a lot about, you know, not, I'm still very, um, I wouldn't say a novice, but I'm quite an intermediary on, on okay. intermediate on, on my knowledge. And there's people and, and, you know, friends of mine that are exposed to a lot more and have had more experience, but uh, it is a fun Anytime you have knowledge, you you can share it. It's 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 a great experience. It's fun to see people learn. Yeah, you know when you when you have something that's you know not as studied by by all. True. Mm -hmm. the, the, there's not too many of you though of your kind in town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I guess not. I there don't is, think so. There's not well, Jeannie, right? Jeannie is yes. She's a certified sommelier, and um, the thing is, I don't know how many people are have the certification. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went through Niagara College and I did a year-long course and I got, I got examined and um, did a final examination, three-part exam. Yeah. And then I did I, I jumped on and did another one and got a second certification. But there's a ton of, a lot of fellows and this, uh, ladies and men in the city that are very educated. Um, they just don't, they just might not have had the certification, but mm -hmm. I don't like to think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm more educated than, than one person in the city. I think... The better I can, the more, you know, the more people in the field or, yeah. you know, or knowledgeable, the more it's healthier for the the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to find more people that we could do tastings together and I hope to do more classes. And, um, you know, you know, there's certain people in the city that are really knowledgeable. You know, Donato over at Tomlin has, has a really good grasp and knows a lot about wine and spirits. And mm. it's fun to go Instagram? to another, um, it's fun to go to another restaurant and, um, talk to the people that run their beverage program, just like a chef would from chef to chef. And mm -hmm. talk, oh, why'd you bring this spirit in? What are you doing with this? <laughs> like industry nights? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I think I wish more of those existed and I'd love to do more of a collaboration with, um, you know, uh, with, with other chefs. And the chefs always do that, but I think it would be fun to do with more with people in the front of house that, that, yeah. that pour the wines and mm. pick the wines out. So how, how would you call it? Give me a proposal. Well, I'd like to do something with, uh, with our Hungry Hearts Um fundraiser I did in the summer I'd like to do it next year but with more restaurants involved with a featured dish and all goes towards the hospital I had uh, the fundraiser the money a lot of the money went to the hospital but it'd be nice to involve not just multiple chefs but also maybe have the restaurant um, pair a local beer or mm -hmm. pair of wine with so that now that it's not locked down if you're going and getting a featured dish maybe you or maybe we do an event where we're collaborating with multiple chefs and multiple uh sommeliers or people running a beverage program at different at different restaurants to do their own um food and wine pairings and have it as more of a big community event yeah um I yeah like so i think we're doing more and more in this city with collaborations with chefs and you know you see what 
you know, what Lake Sleeping Giant's doing with different restaurants. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just so healthy and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I went to one industry night at Tomlin's. I was lucky enough Bianca let me go along, you know. I was part of that team for a little little a little while. Nice. And it was like bone marrow and it was just like that's the first time I ever had that. I love bone marrow. And it's just like it's such an experience, man. Yeah. It's a good crop of young <laughs> chefs making some cool they stuff. They just like go all out, you yeah. know. And you just you just fucking enjoy it. Well, it's not your normal, you know, the cuisine no. now is not your normal steak and potatoes like <laughs> it used to be. But did you do the bone luge after? I oh, I did know. that. I, I did don't that know. lots in Toronto. I used to yeah. do the mm-hmm. bone luge marrow. is where it's at after you have bone marrow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we, you hold That's it up. That's what the vegan says. <laughs> yeah, so you put the bone in your mouth and then you'd pour some whiskey down oh, it. Oh, yeah, okay. Bur- bourbon. But, yeah, okay. I don't all know about that. Scoops Maybe. up all those little bits of yeah. like bone marrow. That's <laughs> that fat and whatever. Oh, it's yeah, so is. good. It's all the flavor, right? Yeah, we had a bone marrow at Luma Restaurant in the Tiff Light Box in Toronto. I, that was my second restaurant after Canoe. And the appetizer was a big piece of bone marrow and it had like um, a mushroom and like um, French onion soup kind of mix on top with Thunder Oak Gouda cheese from Thunder Bay, believe it or not. No way. On top. I believe it. And it was the bone marrow with the mushroom and the French onion and then the melted Thunder Oak Gouda cheese and they give you these baguettes and oh. you would just scoop and it was just like nectar of the gods. You love bread? Yeah, I love bread. Yeah. I love gluten. I love bread too. Bread, bread is so good. Bread is live. It's so good. It is. Sometimes just a piece of bread, it just does it. What kind of, what is your favorite bread right now at this given moment? At this given moment? Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I was eating some naan bread the mm. other day. I love naan. Yeah. The garlic a little bit. Yeah. Toasted that. slightly. Yeah. Fluffy. Classic sourdough is just beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I love, right now I'm totally addicted to a sourdough, mm-hmm. pumpkin seeds. Ooh. And it's just like from them. Shout out Ace Bakery, I guess. Ace Bakery, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, we got like, some great bakeries in the city. Mm. Um, both hands, yeah. both hands is great. Even the old, the OGs, the uh, like Roma and, and Five Star makes them awesome. So we get our bread from Five Star. Mm-hmm. And I was with Norteno. I helped out with Norteños, and they get their food for they get their bread from Roma Bakery for their tortas. Oh yeah, you went there recently, right? You had a, you made a post about I, that. My my best friends own it, and I'm just a huge supporter of Norteños. Hold my beer hot sauce. You tried it? Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm uh, very good. Very good. And yeah, I liked I w- one time Brewery did that Taco Tuesday, and they were featuring mm-hmm. it at the Taqueria. Yeah, yeah. Norteños, my friends are. are I want to get it. And I was working there for a short time when during the lockdown, mm. I was working in the daytime selling tacos and then I was uh, helping out with the takeout at Bistro at night but crazy I'm yeah my Jamie Bradas just makes amazing food uh, after living in in Mexico uh-huh. um, he opened the, t- the taqueria I think everybody familiar with Norteño is a big fan of it I, I wish I could try it I want to bring him in the studio the owners oh yeah Do I would love to connect Jamie would I'm sure Jamie would come in yeah he's a uh, he's a great guy but yeah they they're doing great and uh Westfort's awesome. It's just like, uh, mm-hmm. I just forget about, some people forget about Westfort, but I just do it all my local stuff. Westfort, a haircut, barbershop. Right. Go to JB Evans for clothes and mm-hmm. Tenio's for a taco. Yeah. Yep. I get it. Yeah. It's it's right there. Uh, you got the Sal for your fish and chips. Francesco's Deli for a sandwich. Well, that's why this is great. Everybody likes it more and more, aware, more, and more awareness to local local mm-hmm. spots and produce. You know, why why not? Yeah. They're doing that promotion right now. Uh, choose T-Bay first or something on hashtag Instagram. So yeah, I yeah. think it's called T-Bay first. Uh. Uh-oh. What did I, oh, shit, Lucas. I figured it out. <laughs> Mac, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> 
do you do? Is it is it broken? What did I do? Yeah, is no. it still working? Oh, you just closed it and pretended nothing happened. That's yeah. fine. No, Any I pressed whiskey? the number five, mm -hmm. and apparently that does something that I don't know. And I okay. pressed it again. And now we're back. That's back. We're back. Do you like ice wine? I do like ice wine. I like. Yeah, I like everything. Well, what what would you pair ice wine, wine with? Ice wine is so the key with the dessert or a sweet wine is you never want the dish sweeter than the than the wine. Oh, so you don't want a, a really sweet. Yeah, you don't want the dish to be sweeter than the ice wine or the okay. dessert wine. As because a, then as it a will be sour. Yeah, because if you, any sugar in the dish will make your wine flabby and flat. Like people say, red wine and chocolate. Have you ever had red wine and chocolate? You eat chocolate and the red wine, it's like, bleh, you know, like it's so astringent and flabby. Cheese, but, right? Yeah, but the sugar is going to make all, is going to make the wine really astringent, right? But if you have low sugar or acidic or salty dish, it's going to exemplify all the, all the, all the little bits of sugar in the wine are going to really pop and make, mm. make it really fruity. So chocolate and like dark, dark, dark chocolate and, and red wine. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but back to dessert wine, um, believe it or not, dessert wine, like, Sauternes and blue cheese is a really funny pairing. Yeah. Like, hmm. yeah, like, like, uh, dried so much fruit, sense. that pungent blue cheese, and then a sweet dessert wine. Mm -hmm. Really I was, cool together. I was always afraid of blue cheese when I grew up. And then eventually it I ate it. On you. And it was so good. Well, it I was on blue cheese. Yeah. yeah, it's a very distinct flavor. My mom used to buy it all the time. But I like, um, I like German Riesling a lot. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of Riesling. Like, like, like I said, Rhine region? That's where it grows, right? On the Rhine? Rhine, Rhineland, Rhineland is one region. Moselle, uh, there's oh, a lot Moselle, of there's yeah. a lot of um, regions. Uh, Feltz, there's there's many regions that to study in Germany, and all different. You wouldn't believe it, but now the microclimates are a little different. Mm, yeah, the yeah, ripeness yeah. of the grapes, but I love Riesings because they make them in dry and sweet, mm -hmm. and I don't mind a, a slightly off dry white wine or like a Riesling with some food. Yeah. Plus, it's like that you can do those tours. You go on the boat, and they go from winery to winery. Oh yeah, you, on the Rhine River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can book That's those cool. wine tours. Yeah, again, I was like, you know, mm. I wasn't into wine when I was running around Germany. Yeah, that's fine. It was, it was shots of Jaeger and Euro mm. Euro Cup. <laughs> that's a good deal. It was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do the Rhine tours when I'm now a little bit more yeah mature and sophisticated. You see all those castles on the hills, right? Because they are. Oh yeah. Because yep. they built them over the years there, way back. Germany's great. It's 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 a fast living there it's different than here you know yeah it's like it's you wouldn't go out in your pajama pants ever no no i went to a nightclub in germany and in, in <laughs> berlin and we got there at 6 a.m and there was a lineup mm. yeah for sure. <laughs> yes they just got back or they just People started. were just starting yeah you go all night all night yeah like or, or I got, I, I think I got there at two in the morning there was a lineup Jeez. we got in we left at 6 a.m and there was still a line mm. to get into the nightclub yeah. Berlin. It's the most beautiful thing is you you gotta check that off as on your checklist on the bucket list is you go into the club at night and you leave when the day is just about the sun comes out. Uh, and I could not believe it. That's the best feeling. I partied hard there, but like that was next something else. You know, you go out and people are trading and on their way to work and yeah. the night nightlife is wild in, in it Germany. Stop, yeah. Yeah, they don't have that rule at two o'clock or whatever. It's just the way it is. I don't know. I think I have to go for Oktoberfest too. That's another yeah. one. We I celebrated mean, that in Waterloo. Waterloo was the second it's biggest it's is, Oktoberfest right? in the world next to Ber in, to Germany. It was in, in Waterloo, beautiful. Ontario. Nice. Waterloo used to be called Berlin. They renamed it after the First World War. Okay. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. Why not? Full, yeah. 
funny history. It is what it is. But Kitchener-Waterloo has a great Oktoberfest celebration when I was living there for school. And I never went to Germany for Oktoberfest, but it's on the mm. the bucket list for sure. I would was. So Kitchener-Waterloo Oktoberfest is an annual nine-day festival in the Twin Cities of Kitchener-Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Based on the original German Oktoberfest, it is billed as Canada's greatest Bavarian festival. Yeah, the mayor of Munich, he has to open up the first keg. And you get rated as good as you are by punching with the big wooden hammer yeah. the thing in. So you don't, the, the more beer you spill, the worse <laughs> of a politician you are, right? <laughs> There's some, over the years, they just, they must have trained. So they prepared themselves. Of course, yeah, right? of course. And they just like, and it's just perfection. It's just not a drop. And there's others. <sighs> like Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne? No, no, we don't talk about that. It's only in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. there... That's, well, that's a lot that's, of beer wasted. I'm supposed it. Oh, there's a lot I'm of beer spilled in all Oktoberfest. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, that's actually there. Okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, Oktoberfest would be something else. Do you have a pair of Lederhosen? I don't. I think I... I found a pair when I was separating in Waterloo. I, I wore a pair, but I don't mm. I don't own them. Yeah. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Best chicken I ever had at the Oktoberfest. In, uh, w- in, in which city? In, in Munich? Munich? Yeah, yeah. We went once. That's it. How was the chicken done? Uh, on the grill. And it's just like I had half a chicken with one big glass of beer, which is like bigger than this. So it's just like fried? Is it like just rotisserie chicken style? Yeah, like something just a like big that. leg? Yeah. Like next to the ox. Oxen, 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 oxtail. Uh, yeah, no, not tail. Just like the whole ox. Just the ox, on a spit. Well, that would be like Cameron Haynes' sweet spot right there. <laughs> Do German people eat as much schnitzel as, as we think, or is it mostly just tourists going for schnitzel? Because I ate a lot of schnitzel when I was in, in mm. Germany. No, I think sausages and schnitzel. Meat is big. Meat is big. Yeah, but that's. I moved here in two thousand six, so it might have changed. I toured there in two thousand twelve. So mm. you know what it is, I think. You know, with the with like the generations, they had like with the wars, there was food was not available, almost mm-hmm. not right. And once the war was over, and you had food again, the people that were alive, they really appreciated the food mm-hmm. differently than we could ever imagine. Yeah. So of course you're gonna have meat all the time if you can have it all the if time. You can have it all the time. Right, it's just like we we cannot imagine it. Well, I went to a a restaurant in Berlin and I had a schnitzel and there was small, medium, large, extra large, and and I thought, okay, well, I'll have I'll have the medium, and the medium came. <laughs> it was across my place setting. It's like, oh, danke. Yeah. <laughs> How am I gonna? If I didn't finish it, no. And ironically, the 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 water was more expensive than my beer and schnitzel. I, I was, yeah. you know, so salt. I was drinking beer and I thought th- thirsty. Taught me up on water, and you mm-hmm. know, think you're in North America, and they, yeah, they don't. Do I was tap water. I was charged by the glass. Yeah, and I had like thirty euros in tap water. <laughs> no, they don't do tap water. It was it was water in a jug. Yeah. Oh, was it? It was, and no. they were charging per the glass. No way. Yeah, I thought and that no was, ice, right? No ice. No ice. There's no ice over there. But I, I had one, two beer and a schnitzel and like five glasses of water. <laughs> My water pills, <laughs> things I took for granted in Canada. But yeah. nonetheless, though, mm. it was delicious schnitzel. Yeah, they pick on their carbonated water. Everywhere, yeah. And yeah. I was, and I like carbonated water now. But mm. you know, ten years ago when I was traveling what Europe, the heck is every vending machine has a, a bottle of water, and you go to slam it, you're hiking. Oh, sp- spicy water. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it takes you off. You're all caught off guard when you go to slam a bottle. I of, know. of sparkling water, and and everywhere in Europe, sparkling water in the it vending is. machines. Yeah, except now I love it, but it was. I like it now more than ever too. Like, like they have this. Like they have flavors now, and it's zero calories. That's perfect, right? Yeah, because we care about those kind of things now. Sometimes yeah, I don't want calories in my water, right? That's why I drink wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tequila even has a hundred calories per shot. Tequila's. Why is, te is Irish whiskey? Does it have a lot of calories? I believe it does. Yeah, I think I don't know a lot, but that's a good thing to check up. I, you know, of all my studies, I don't think I've ever looked at the caloric content of, of most booze. Sixty-nine calories in one shot of Jameson's Irish whiskey. I think there's more in wine than in spirits. For sure, that's the sugar. For sure, right? is it? Yeah, or yeah. There'll be residual sugar. You know, like you know, a dry wine is like five grams per liter of sugar. Mm. But, you know, spirits is still too, you know, there's nothing. It's just alcohol and, uh, you know, just the flavor, the flavor essence that comes with the spirit when it's distilled. Yeah, right. According to the USDA, there's 83 calories in 100 grams of wine. Okay. That's very, yeah, okay. But so, it doesn't say red or white. No. No. Can you type? Can you go into the type red column? Wine, probably more. Let's see. So, you know, wine will have residual sugar. So there'll be some that are sweeter or perceived sweeter because there'll be a little bit even after fermentation is done there'll be a bit of sugar left in the juice mm. so the yeast eats up all the sugars and it creates alcohol and wine but then sometimes fermentation is done and the yeast cells are dead or they're 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 halted and you're left with still what we call residual sugar a little bit of sugar in the wine and that makes it taste a little sweeter or lush um, that's not the so, one that you can see though right no you no, you won't be able to see it it's just that the the, the overall content of the sugar in the wine some are going to be a little higher than mm. others and some people track that they'll say i really want no sugar in my wine and sure, it's very minimal as it is right unless you're drinking like a um you know a nice wine from germany mm. or um yeah spot paganda right yeah i get it so white wine it's 82 calories per 100 grams Red wine is eighty-five. Okay, yeah, that's why we. That's why splitting hairs. Some people drink more white wine than white wine. I guess so. Yeah, mm. you know, there. It's still you know, counting our calories and and, and sugars in wine. You know, how useful it is. I, there's a bit, but you know, uh, for me, the sugar plays a, a more of a uh, of a player in body and and on flavor. Yeah, I understand that. Sugar in wine creates more body mm. than the alcohol. Yeah. So if you get a, you, you'll find those more lush, full-bodied reds from a hotter region mm -hmm. where it's a warmer climate. So that sugars in the grape juice, you know, the grapes are riper, so there's more sugar. So you get a, a, a richer wine with more alcohol. And then even after the alcohol is made, you might have a little bit of that sugar left over from such a ripe fruit. Produce, yeah. Right. Think about an apple growing in Ontario versus an apple growing in, you know, Southern California, you know, the, the end result will still be with a hotter climate. We'll have more yeah. sugar in that fruit. So it's true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people ask that and that's a question, you know, I'll uh, happily answer them. You know, I'll educate them a little bit on sugar content in wine and drier styles and mm -hmm. more lush styles. And very rarely someone wants a sweet wine. Um, you know, I'll find some off dry Rieslings that have a little bit of sugar and that's for a, re a good reason, but not many people want a sweet wine usually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so asking about ice wine. I Delicacy more on like having a little, little bit of it after dinner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, but I'm, I'm just like the kind of guy who thinks outside the box. Like sometimes it's like, even as an entry, right? I don't know. Possibly not like 
traditionally wise but you know you have those you have certain drinks you have for like to open up the belly yeah and then you have like you know you have main and then you close it off aperitivo and digestivo yeah 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 and uh there's a good i, I was just educating my staff on a digestive on amaro's italian amaro's one of my favorite Ooh. after dinner liqueurs mm. and amaro or amari Italian means bitter and, and a bitter or a lot of digestives or even aperitivos are have a digestive property and it enzymes and different stuff that have a bitter components that actually stimulate digestion. Yes. So on your palate, you're starting off with a, a bitter component or uh, like, you know, a Negroni is a great example of bitter Campari and, and gin, and that'll kind of initiate digestion and start your system for getting hungry. And then you have your meal and then usually, you know, with sugar with digestion, but also with a, a bitter liqueur, like a digestive will also settle your stomach and help with the digestive mm -hmm. process. And that goes back, you know, long, long before spirits with digestives and, and bitters as like an herbal remedy or a cure-all and was meant for digestive issues. And then it was founded, well, we can make it boozier and we can make it sweeter and we can have yeah. this as a, as, a, as a liqueur or something to have after dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's how Jägermeister got invented too. Yeah, Jägermeister is a lot like um, a digestive. Mm -hmm. It is a digestive, actually. Yeah. It is. It's but. meant to be sipped after dinner, and, and mm -hmm. a lot like um, Fernet and Amaro's. It's meant as like a. It has properties like you know barks and herbal and herbs and and spices and stuff that's meant to settle the stomach. So, how we started shaking it on ice and shooting it until mm -hmm. all hours of the night, I don't know, but it uh, became a thing. Yeah. But uh, it does have that very mm -hmm. bitter quality to it. Yeah, if I like, if I feel my belly a little bit after a meal, shot up Jägermeister usually is really good. It's surprising. Yeah, it's check out Google Amaro Montenegro. That's one of my favorites. I always have that around, and that's almost in most restaurants that have a, an extensive mm. wine beverage list. I love Amaro's because that is, um, yeah, it's like a sweet and like savory and mm. spicy and kind of bitter after dinner liqueur it's great on very ice nice. yeah it's very ice. I, I always suggest it to people that want to try something different after dinner instead of like you know just a baileys mm -hmm. and i'll get them on a digestive and and amaro has a sweetness and approachability to it and people really enjoy it and they're they're always really happy when i suggest uh something like a montenegro um i gotta try that yeah nice. the, the world of spirits is so deep there's yeah. so much stuff it's endless endless there is it's so much like you know i focus on wine and we mostly talking about spirits Cause there's so much stuff to cover and so much stuff to learn. It's always, always something I can pick up and read on. Or I have one more question, mm -hmm. and you know the, I, wine ages and wine also dies, I guess, but, but there's a process, right? And sometimes you know you get like those crystals in the bottles. Oh yeah, right. Wine crystals. Yeah, is that's the sugar. No, so that is actually uh, wine crystals are tartaric acid crystals. You can Google them. Basically, it's a product, a byproduct of winemaking. And it's more common in white wines. Mm -hmm. And it's when the temperature during fermentation changes. And uh, now you'd have to look it up to quote me, but I think it's when tartaric acid crystallizes in the wine. These acids crystallize and they're very harmless, but they do look like pieces of glass yeah, or like crystals. They do. Yeah, you can They're quite see beautiful, them. though. I think I had a picture on one of my thing, but there's a picture of it. There it is. And yeah, I was right. Tartaric acid. Mm -hmm. So it's basically when the temperature changes with racking uh, white wine, a lot of times, especially more natural producers or traditional producers, 
it's actually a, a quality of good winemaking, and mm. it's it's just a byproduct of wine. It's harmless. So the wine a lot is of people, still good. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, the wine. You know, and consuming it, I don't. It's not harmful. Mm. Just like sediment in wine, it's not harmful. Just it's not going to taste great. Yeah. I don't want to be chewing on that, but it's very natural and it's um, harmless. And I know when I was first serving it, like the keg, I pulled it out and it was all over the cork of a bottle. I'm like, what the hell? Mm. It was a broken glass. And like, how is this possible? Right. And we didn't really, exp- no one explained it and didn't really know. And then it just, I don't think I've seen it again until I was drinking some finer white wine and mm. learning about it. But yeah, those are called uh, tartaric acid crystals and they're, they're wine crystals. I always thought Dr. it was the sugar. Yeah. That yeah. does make sense. Yeah, no, because so the sugar will be all, the sugar and the juice will be mostly consumed by the yeast and made into alcohol. So okay. you won't see any sugar, but some of the other stuff is sediment. And that's actual like little pieces, tiny pieces of uh, the wine skins after the press that'll just mm. join together her dead yeast cells. And it's just um, a, pro- a byproduct of the winemaking that maybe a, a producer didn't filter it out properly. Okay, Again, harmless, but you just... You would pour uh, an, o- an older bottle or more expensive might have it. So you'd pour it out slower on services. And I'd, I kind of see when I could see the sediment okay. running into the neck and then yeah. I'd stop the bottle. But okay. again, not harmful. It's actually just a good quality of winemaking. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Because you had something. Uh, no, I was just going to say, according to Google, uh, tartaric acids, acid crystals are small crystals uh, that are, and they are, Simply a sign of how wa- the wine was made and are harmless to you and your wine. Tartarates are more lovingly wine diamonds wine are diamonds. formed oh. from tartaric acid, which is a naturally occurring in all wines and provides structure, balance, and flavor. Mm, makes sense. You can only see them okay. in white wine then because it's like see-through. I have seen them in, in red. Really? Very few. Are they crystal clear or are they red? They kind of have like a tinge of red, almost like, like it pinkish? Was, yeah, kind of like it had a hue. But again, on a cool climate, red wine, a light-bodied red mm. wine. But yeah, they're they're not something to panic with. It's mm. it's more of like a boutique. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's more of a, you know, it's been done by um, quality wine making. Actually, so it's not something to fear. Interesting. I yeah, saw, I, I saw them more in like older bottles I had. That's in, right. In the ancient fridge at the Valhalla. Yeah. Like there was a couple wines we had, and they, you know, I I, I knew. They've been there for a while. A lot of the time, you see how they're kind of lengthy too. They're they're usually trapped in the the bottom ring of the bottle, yes. so then they come out and you don't see them initially, right? They're kind mm. of settled in there. I had to count them, right? Inventory <laughs> monthly, so I would always see. Oh, them. I thought you meant the crystals, like oh, one one mm-hmm. no one di- the <laughs> wine. They diamonds. made me count the crystals at the Bahala. <laughs> <laughs> yes, inventory. No, I didn't. Yeah, no. The most fa- my favorite thing was like the Louis. It's the same. Yeah, because like maybe not many people would buy it. I think during my ten years there, I bought one or two bottles of the Louis. The really mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, I didn't even know anyone has that in town. Yeah, it's there, right on. Yeah, it comes in a special case, all red. Oh, I know. And the yeah. bottle is like we have, you have that one attachment. The other it has. I think it has white gloves that come with it to handle it. Does it? I think no. So. Does it? I know one of the bottles and the oh, old bottles. Cognac okay. had like white gloves. To Who took those? Who took the white gloves? <laughs> Why is only one here? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I never had it. I smelled it. Like, you mm-hmm. know, they let me smell it. But it's like, I don't know. It's there it is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, and then the, the empty bottle, right? You That wouldn't go back to the LCBO because it's actual uh, crystal. 
I think you just yeah that you gotta you gotta lucky somebody to hold took on it. to that yeah, yeah somebody took that. it but I mean like you don't because it's I think it's crystal it's not like glass yeah 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 they're gonna put a lot of money into that I know that uh, at Harbor Sixty Steakhouse they have a Louis the Fourteenth room Ooh. private room that's like a long table that they have that in like a glass case that's a very special private room in Toronto they can go to. Yeah, cognac is, I like cognac. It's, uh, I don't spend much money on it. Cognac is a spirit like whiskey made from wine, though. So mm-hmm. whether, you it's know, true. whiskey's made from like a, a beer wart, you know, cognac's made from a wine. It's a wine spirit. Brandy, mm-hmm. try to teach, teach a lot of people that brandy is everywhere. You know, cognac is brandy, but not all brandy is cognac. It's true. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's very neat. It's a, it's a different sipper, you know, it tastes a little different. But if you like whiskey, you can get into mm-hmm. brandy and cognac. You just don't have many people talking about drinking cognac together at least at least our our age you know yeah it's a good cigar smoking beverage yeah yeah i think it and whiskey just smoke a lot of cigars i used to really yeah i only had ever one i I bought like 60 when i last went to 60 when i went to dominican i bought like a humidor (laughs) and we had 60 cigars in it so i went on a a bit of a cognac and cigar binge for like six months there was a cigar portion of my teaching it as a sommelier they used to have um, a portion of the uh, teaching on cigars and bottled water and they got rid of both of them because i think obviously smoking became mm. more taboo after and they didn't think they should be educating because in some bars you know how many years ago there would be surfing there'd be a smoking room or 100 you know, maybe the sommeliers in the you know the 70s or they 80s might, might have cigars yeah. as on the menu yeah. i specifically yeah. remember to go into pizza hut as a child yeah. And it'd be, be full of smoke. Smoking. Yeah, I know. You couldn't see nothing. Yeah. 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 I worked at the Keg Mansion, the big Keg Mansion, the haunted mansion in Toronto, and they had they still have an old remnant of a like a vending machine that you get cigarettes out of mm-hmm. in the restaurant. You can go in and get cigarettes out of the restaurant. Impressive. Yeah. It's always a funny concept, the smoking mm-hmm. section and non smoking section. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't make You're a right difference. There it's for just the <laughs> they do they did that in airplanes too, right? Yeah. Smoking yeah. seat or not. But it's, it's like the same day. earth, yeah. no, same place, same pl- same blow of smoke into my mouth. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah. Well, I got one more question. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Show yourself. Oh no! I wait. Uh, so when when you suggest pairings to people, yeah, do you get more enjoyment out of giving them the pairing or the uh, the or their reaction to like getting an amazing pairing. I think the reaction of, of them kind of an enlightenment, uh, aha moment on some new, new things, you know, um, my biggest selling point is saying, you know, if I sell a body, you know, don't be afraid if you don't like it because you might not like it. Just be on, I'll get you something you don't like. Don't worry about being open because I'll happily enjoy it later. <laughs> or my staff or my, you know, we'll taste it. Okay. Um, I've handpicked uh. all these wines, so don't be ashamed. You don't like it, I'll find you something you do. Uh. Um, that's why I do like the buy the glass and give tasters too. You say, well, this is buy the glass, so you don't have to worry about investing in a whole bottle. But I do love when the reaction, when people, you know, I come back to the table and say, well, how is this going with this? Mm-hmm. And did you, did you notice the difference when you tried the different wine with it earlier? And yeah, it's, you see the, you know, imagine what some educators feel like is that, you know, you get that aha moment from your students and it's, it's neat, you know, and, and I could tell right away when someone doesn't like something or, you know, and I could just, just get it out of them. Just like, you know, I get, I know what you're looking for. We'll find you something to do, but you know, I, a lot of times I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with how many people are, are very happy with a pairing or 
a wine they would never choose or, you know, you know, he doesn't or she doesn't drink white, you know, so I'm not sure about that. Well, you know, here's a half a glass to go with the dish and here's the glass that you wanted and just enjoy both. But look at the perspective and know, know why, where I'm coming from with the pairing. You know, yeah. there's a reason for it. There's, you know, some stuff is subjective, but there's biological and there's chemical properties of the why things taste the way they do with certain things and why, you know, the science beyond why the certain body and acids and tannins interact with the, the fats and the dishes, you know, the, the, there's stuff that are learned and there's stuff that is subjective and that you are, you know, but it is, it is very rewarding when, you know, people are really happy, yeah. you know, when you, when you take something simple as for going out for dinner and try to make an experience out of them out of it for them, you know, with the food and the beverage, because people go for the food, you know, you go to a restaurant for the dinner and for the quality of food, let's be, let's be real. But, you know, when I could bring the beverage program to, to match some of the, you know, some of the great quality in the food, you know, that you really give people a well-rounded, interesting kind of dining experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, and even in the cocktail side of things, just as much, you know, I'm as ambitious to make some really interesting cocktails uh, you know, and a really diverse beer list to go with the wine. You know, I want to uh, hit all points on a beverage list. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find something for everybody, you know, and that's the goal is, is you, you know, you find something that works for everyone and you, you sell some, sell some drinks. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. You make, you bring flavors and combination out that, and you enhance flavors too. I think, I think the power of suggestion is big too. Okay. You know, I, I stand by what I do, but I think, you know, you really, you know, getting people into, you know, what they're going to experience with mm-hmm. the food and maybe even taking them by hand and saying, you know, I picked this for this reason because of this flavor to go with this. And people really buy in and they, and right. they agree and it is yeah. real. They try it out. Yeah. They, they they taste what you said. They, you know, they trusted you then and then they, they come back and say, do it again. Yeah. Tell me what are those flavors. Try it. Try it. <laughs> Try it again. Yeah, it's yeah. it's an eye opener. I it love is. It. it is fun when people come back and they ask to do that experience mm-hmm. again with the pairings. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Kale. Thank you so much for being here. Tonight. Thank you for having me. This has been this, fantastic. This was eye opening tonight. We learned a lot yeah. today. Yeah. Wow. Bottle opening too. But I love it. I feel like you were you, you were very generous. Well, keep this uh, keep this bottle here, and then for you and future guests to have a little dram of, and yeah, we cheers to you yeah. all the time. <laughs> cheers to you! <laughs> I appreciate having me on. Yeah, same here. Very very thankful, and uh, you know, uh, I'm sure we see us around. Yeah, come by the restaurant, and uh, mm-hmm. love to, love to see you again. Okay, sounds good to me. We're gonna wrap this up. Yeah, so if you are still watching or you fast forwarded to this part, please hit that bell notification, hit that subscribe button, check out Kale at Bistro One, try his beverages, his cocktails, his everything. And thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye.